everyone to the virtual coffee break with the MSU Extension Dairy Team. We continue to move along this fifth season and today we have an important topic that is not often at the forefront of a producer's mind, but it still has a great importance for our industry. We're talking of course about dairy promotion and promotion events. Dairy educator Phil Durst will have a conversation with Extension Educator and Breakfast on the Farm Coordinator Ashley Decker from Michigan State University Extension and with Stacy Chody Hughes, a farmer that is very active in dairy promotion. Phil, let's get it started. Hello all, this is Phil Durst. I'm an Extension Dairy Educator with Michigan State University Extension. We're going to talk about dairy promotion today and how important that is and how farmers are involved in promoting the products they produce. I'm here today with Ashley Decker, fellow Extension educator specializing in promotion of agriculture and communication of agriculture to, uh, to non-producers. And also with us today is Stacy Choate Hughes. And Stacy was very involved in the family dairy farm Choate's Belly Acres. Stacy, I know that you've been involved in some, some dairy promotion things. What kind of things have you done with, with dairy promotion? Yeah, so we've done a lot of different things over the years, you know, ranging from church and school groups to one point in time, we had a specific mom-only group. And the reason that we targeted moms is because we felt as though once a woman, you know, bared a child, they fully understood milk production. And so having a mom's only group, we were able to give a tour and use terminology that they understood, that they resonated with. Um, and that was a really powerful tour. I think that was probably the one that stands out the most where we got the most, I'll say, benefit from as far as education, just because of the terminology that we were able to use with them. Another one of my favorites is we did a pen pal group or pen pal letter between different school age children. Normally it would work best with about second or third grade and the pen pal letter would be between a cow and the students. And so about every other month, I would do it in PowerPoint format. So by doing it in PowerPoint, not only were we able to share the words that we wanted, but I was able to incorporate pictures and videos in that, that the teachers could show in their class. On the flip side, they were able to write back to us and it worked for a writing lesson for the teacher. And they also could incorporate it with different subject matters that they needed in their curriculum. So that was really neat. And we we talked about everything from as the time a calf was born up until the milk leaving to go to the production plant. So the whole process of milk and how that travels and how that is made, we were able to show that. And then a couple of the schools even would come out every spring for a farm tour. And the favorite was always the calf that was born they got to meet that calf and they got to meet the mother, which was the one that they were writing back and forth with. So that was really powerful as well. And then I would say another one of our favorites was the local 4th of July parade. We would team up with another local dairy farm, friends of ours, and we would enter a float into the parade. And instead of passing out candy, we would pass out go and cheese sticks. And that was a hit every single year. 
Yeah, I bet that those are all great things that, that, that you were involved in there, reaching out to moms who also are typically, in, in many families, the uh, shoppers, they're buying the food for their families and, and also reaching exactly. out to kids. Yeah, reaching out to kids who, who are young and, and therefore, you know, catching their early age and making sure they understand things and, and, and have an appreciation for farms and, and, and for cows. And then, of course, being involved exactly. in you know, Fourth of July parade is, is just a, a great time to to not only showcase farming and, and showcase dairy in this case, but also to, to link it to patriotism, which I think is a, is a great thing as well, too. American heritage, you know, we really focused on that as well. Yeah, it's important to reach all those groups because, you know, frankly, in, in our society today, because of, of what people read on the web, there's there's a lot of misconceptions about uh, about food and where it comes from and, and how it's produced. What kind of things have, have you heard uh, in that regard? There's always the misconceptions that we pump these animals full of antibiotics and hormones. And so that's just really important to me to actually get those individuals on the farm and to see that that's not the truth. And, you know, if we are having to give an antibiotic, why? And when we can relate that to themselves or their children, kind of a light bulb goes off and it clicks. Okay. Oh, yeah. You only give an animal medicine when they're sick, when they need it, because really that's the humane thing to do. The misconception is that we're giving them these antibiotics every single day. They also don't understand the cost that comes with that. It's just common sense things that consumers don't understand anymore. And it's not their fault. They're just so many generations removed from the farm. And that's why it's important for us to tell our story because we are the ones here, we are the ones doing it. And if we don't educate them, the internet's going to. That's exactly right. It puts the onus on, on all farmers and especially all dairy farmers to think, how can I be involved in getting the word out about the, the wonderful work that I'm doing and the great product that we produce. I, you know, I think that that's really an important part of this is, is the fact that it is important for all farmers to think about this. Going back to 2009, MSU Extension hosted the first event that became Breakfast on the Farm. Since then, we've hosted 40 different Breakfast on the Farm events with over 90,000 people reached. And you had the opportunity, Stacy, to be involved in, in, in one of those and, and, to, and to host it on your farm. Why in the world did you agree to host a Breakfast on the Farm event? Well, if anybody knows my father, they know that he's open arms to anybody on our operation. He had been involved with the first Breakfast on the Farm. And so he had been involved with a few of them. He had seen the benefit. A couple other individuals on the farm, probably myself included, you know, a little hesitant, like, whoa, this takes a lot of work. This is a lot of people. We're getting pretty vulnerable here. We've always opened our farm, but this was just on another level, another scale. Um, but it just goes back to how many people, how many generations are they removed from the farm? And if you put yourself in their shoes, you know, think of a subject matter where, you know, you're maybe not very educated on. And if you're told something, you're probably going to believe it. You have no other reason not to believe it. So it, to get them out here and to learn firsthand and to see how we do things and why we do the things the way we do, you know, in the most humbly um, way that I can put it, 
we're good at, at what we do and we need to showcase that. We had amazing support from the community, talked to everybody on the farm and it was kind of like, okay, let's go. Let's see how we can do this. And, and it was a great day. It was wonderful. Yeah, seeing is believing for, for many people. They need to, to see how you care for cows. They need to see how cows are, are handled gently and, and how the land is cared for it and those things. And so seeing becomes the great example where this is not a, a classroom event or something they read. This is rather coming to the farm and seeing it in person themselves. So that's a great thing. Yeah, one of the things that impresses me about Breakfast on the Farm is it attracts all ages. And they all seem to have fun. Did you see that when you hosted it? Oh, yeah. I mean, when we had our event, we had just shy of 2,700 people. The weather was perfect. And it was at that point that we knew it was going to be a successful event. Whole families joining us. And the fact that it was free definitely made it a draw. But the fact that it was an experience like no other, it was unique. So you can go to the zoo, you can go to the county fair, um, an art festival, whatever you want to think of in local community events, you can go to every year. But an actual working farm and one that a lot of our attendees probably have either driven by at least once or frequently to actually step foot on that, to see the behind the scenes, the day-to-day -day operations. It was a really neat experience for consumers and families from age one to 100. There was something for them to not only see, enjoy, but to kind of get hands-on with. And that's how a lot of people learn. Actually, you know, a lot of things are done during Breakfast on the Farm to, to attract or to reach different ages. What are some of those things that, that typically uh, have been done uh, during Breakfast on the Farm? Yeah, so we want to make sure all ages are interested and active during a breakfast on the farm to cater to our younger participants. We do have a kids quiz that they can participate in. Uh, they pick up a sheet of paper at the beginning of the tour. It's got about 10 questions on it where all the answers can be found on our educational signs and by talking to our resource people that they will see during the tour. Uh, at the end of the event, they can turn in their quiz and get a little prize for you know paying attention as they went through the farm. We also have uh, an area that's just designated for children's activities. So a lot of times, I mean, it depends on the farm, we'll see like corn boxes or coloring pages or just little tractors and things that kids can can have fun with at the end of the tour i think i saw straw bales piled up at the last when i was at that thing yes they had a big old pyramid with straw bales that kids were just playing king of the mountain on top of and also depends on the farm once again but a lot of times we'll be able to offer some sort of hay ride which is a big draw people love to see tractors and they love to get on a wagon and be able to have that experience at, at a farm also those are just great things and you know the kid in me always wants to do those things <laughs> and i know that i look for those kids in their quizzes and say hey what can I help you with? What, what kind of questions do you have? What's the next question you need answered and help them along with that? Because it just gives them a, a, an ability to focus on things. What are some of the things, the thoughts, the impressions, the knowledge that you wanted people to take away from having been to the farm? You know, the big thing, just being a dairy operation, we wanted people to just fully understand modern day milk production. The story of milk beginning with cow nutrition to trucking it to the plant. 
nobody really understands, you know, that these cows have their own nutritionist, they have their own dietitian. So to really start from beginning to end, and I guess you should say beginning with birth, um, you know, we, we had all of our calves here and we, you know, we called them our girls. All of our girls were ours. They were born right here at the farm. So we really just wanted to share that story of milk, um, you know, but we do crop farms. So we wanted them to take tidbits away from the environmental side of things, our grain operation and how crop production has changed the differences between crops for feed versus as a commodity, and just really how the whole production of that has changed over time. We wanted them to see both sides of the operation because they coincide together. Yeah, it's really important. Ashley, are there other messages that that you want people to go away with? Uh, I think we want all of our participants to leave a breakfast on the farm knowing how much our dairy farmers actually do care about the health and happiness of their animals, about how safe dairy products are from how milk is never touched by human hands and how quickly it gets on a shelf at an actual grocery store. You know, we we just want to make sure people enjoy themselves, but also learn the entire way that the entire time they're going through a farm. Are there any of those things that you can remember where somebody had an aha moment or maybe some comments that people have made uh, from past uh, events? We've had um, some remarks on our exit surveys, and then we also always have little thank you cards that people can fill out that we share with the farm afterwards. And a couple stick around in my mind, and they're not from like this year, like they've literally been embedded in my brain for six or seven years now. One specifically said that they learned more in two hours on the farm than they had in an entire week of school. Uh, So that was pretty cool. And then also I can remember we had an encounter with someone who toured the entire farm and at the end shared with us that they were actually a member of PETA and that everything they saw on the farm there that day, it kind of went against what they had been hearing from the PETA membership that they interact with. So they were going to go back and share all the stuff that they saw. And, you know, those messages that we hope people can leave with, we also hope that they share them with other people. You know, we love to see online presence or, you know, people sharing their experience after breakfast on the farm, because even if someone wasn't able to physically make it to the farm that day, we know that our participants are sharing their experiences with their friends, their family. Um, so we're, we're reaching a lot further than just the over 90,000 that have actually been on a farm. Stacey, are there any things that stick out in your mind that people have said or, or that were, where they realized something? Yeah, I think the The size of our operation, you know, in the dairy industry, the size of my family's operation was a was a fair sized farm, decent size, by no means large in the dairy industry, but in a consumer's eyes was very large. Um, And for them to step foot and see that we are an actual family here um, in, you know, the people that work here and my father, they knew those cows like the back of their hand. I mean, I could be out vaccinating cows and, hey, dad, I can't find 281. Do you see her? Oh, check up in the, you know, northeast corner of the barn. Like, we know their patterns, their behaviors, where they lie. You know, we might be milking 450 cows, but we know these girls. And for them to see that and see how much we care and 
the affection that we actually give them, that was kind of an aha moment that, oh, this isn't a scary factory farm. They're not just pushing all of these cows through here to make more milk and to make more money because we know that's not how it works. So that was a big moment. That, that really is. As you hosted this, were there, was there anything that you were afraid of that, that could happen that, that turned out to be a non-issue at all? We are inviting the public and we don't really know who is coming and anything about them. And that can give a producer a, a lot of pause for concern. I would say that was definitely one. You know, I've sat on a lot of committees for breakfast on the farm and you don't want to be fearful going into something like this, but you do have to kind of go over any scenario that could happen. And having people coming onto a working farm, especially with livestock, that is definitely one. Because in our minds, these groups can get a bit radical. So, okay, let's have a plan in place. Um, what are we going to do, you know, if something arises? So that was definitely something that was discussed more than once and things put into place. But we never had an issue. So I think that is so cool that Ashley had a card that said, you know, that they were a member of PETA. And this tour, what I saw with my own eyes, went against what everything that I thought I knew. So that's super cool. We never had an issue, thankfully. And I think the only other issue that we were kind of nervous of, which really we had no reason to be because of the support, was just it takes a lot of funding to put something like this on. And it also takes a lot of volunteers. But that was definitely not an issue for us. Um, and we were very blessed for that. That's one of the things that, that really impresses me about Breakfast on the Farm events is that it is a community coming together, a community of farmers and ag people coming together to host this. Ashley, how many volunteers are typically involved in, in hosting Breakfast on the Farm and where in the world do they come from? We have had as many as 300 volunteers for one event, which was a lot of people. <laughs> and we've pulled it off with <laughs> as few as 70. Uh, so it just depends a lot on the size of the farm, the different educational topics we're going to tackle for the day, and how big your community is. You know, the more people you expect to attend, you might need more volunteers. Typically, when we start working with a farm, we will ask, like, do you have any concerns about finding volunteers for this event? And we haven't had any issues. Most of the farming community understands the importance of promotion and outreach. Ashley, dairy promotion doesn't have to cost money per se, you know. Right. But when you do something this size, there is a, a good cost to that. So how is the cost handled? How is it that the money is raised and where does it come from? Yep, we do a lot of local fundraising. We start working early on in the planning process, which usually takes between six and eight months. Um, to, to pull a breakfast on the farm off. When we start planning, we work on a budget. And so we have an idea of how much we need to raise locally. That money is raised for rentals, for food, anything that goes towards our volunteers, if it's t-shirts or any sort of printing for educational things. So all those locally raised dollars are used on the farm. We also have statewide sponsors. At this point in time, we have 12 uh, they make a donation at the beginning of the planning process that is then divvied up between each of the events that we have. Uh, that way they have some starting funds to, you know, go out and start the planning process. Um, usually we use those statewide dollars for 
things that each act each event will have. So we usually put them towards printing or food or rentals like that, just so it's even across the board. Everybody gets the same amount of money and it's used for the same things. Ashley, what I hear you saying is that when a farm commits to hosting a breakfast in the farm, that you walk with them through it. You walk with them through the planning process for months. You walk with them through the fundraising. You walk with them through all the aspects of that. They're not alone. Right. We we do uh, typically work with a local planning committee. So, you know, I will sit down with the host farm at the very beginning and we'll make a list of people who the farm is comfortable working with. So a lot of times it's people who are also involved in agriculture in that part of the state. It might be neighbors, it could be teachers, anybody who is passionate about reaching the public with information about agriculture, they would be a great planning committee member. So one of the maybe target audiences that we haven't talked about yet is policymakers. Is there a role uh, for dairy promotion to policymakers? Absolutely, there is. And, you know, that's something that with every breakfast on the farm, I believe, Ashley, correct me if I'm wrong, I remember we actually put together an invite list of policymakers because that is so important. You know, I talk about learning hands on. You know, it's important for children and parents, you know, decision makers at the grocery store to to learn hands on and to see what we do. But for people that make laws and policy that control what we do and how we do it, I don't think there's a more important audience than them. Yep. And I might add that, you know, we we definitely invite them to come and experience a breakfast on the farm. Their policymakers are also welcome to volunteer. You know, MSU, we, we can't exactly promote one person running for office over another, but we, we always love to have them involved. It gives our policymakers a chance to see how agriculture is actually alive in their area. I think a lot of times they don't realize what a big impact the industry has. So with that in mind, what would you say to other farmers about doing dairy promotion work, uh, whatever the scale or size of it, what would you encourage other dairy farmers to think about in that regard? I would encourage them to just get out and do it. I think out of anybody in agriculture, dairy farmers are one of the busiest producers. You know, there's something 24-7. It also can seem like a thankless job, especially with what goes around on the internet um, and even on TV these days, all the misconceptions, all of the milk substitute products, and this new generation of grocery buyers. It can it can seem thankless for something that is 24-7, but it's something that we're passionate about. It's something that we put a lot of time and energy in, and our own family sacrifices that time and energy. And when we get beat down constantly, it's, it's never a good situation. And when you get out there, you find the energy and the courage to promote it, you kind of get renewed in a sense. And you find that drive back and that passion back. And it's something that you can get your whole family involved in too. I just encourage people that don't think they have the time for it because that's what I hear a lot from dairy producers. Oh, I would love to, but I don't have the time to, or I would love to, but I don't have the funds to. Like we talked earlier, you can do dairy promotion that doesn't cost a thing. Um, Maybe just a Facebook page that you just share day-to-day 
things on your farm. That's what people loved most about us is just when we would have sealed dinners, we would be chopping silage and we would take a picture of the whole family out there eating tacos or pizza or whatever we would have that night. People loved that because that was real and that was raw and it, it met with their emotions. And that's something that doesn't cost us anything. Actually, there's a process for being a host of Breakfast on the Farm. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, sure. So we do start our planning process by having a potential host farm fill out an application. Uh, it's just a way for us to learn more information about their day-to-day operations. So once we have that application in hand, we do share it with our Breakfast on the Farm Advisory Council. That council is comprised of representatives from you know, the ag industry. So we have people from Michigan Corn, UDIM, MMPA, uh, wheat, soybeans, just different commodity groups, and then as well as a few past uh, farm hosts as well, uh, just to get a mix of opinions on, on our advisory council. So once the council reviews an application, if it's accepted, we move forward with the planning process. And like I said earlier, we have about six to eight meetings that happen once a month. We usually come out to the farm, meet with the family, the farm family, the planning committee, and we go through the, the planning process. So each month we focus on a different part of the, the event. So whether it's fundraising or, you know, making sure our rentals are in line, getting all the food taken care of, you know, each month we focus on something different to make sure the planning stays on task and we're prepared for the time that the event actually happens. Now, Ashley, at the end of each Breakfast on the Farm, you mentioned a survey that's done of, of participants that come through. What kind of things have you learned through that survey? So our exit survey asks a variety of questions. We ask a little bit about our participants' background, like are they from an urban or a rural area? We ask when the last time was they were on a working farm. Um, so with that question specifically, in recent years, we found that number of people responding is increasing the, it's been more than 20 years since I've been on a farm. So it's a way to get people out to see what's actually happening and how dairy farms have advanced since, you know, the early nineties, even along with that question on our exit survey, we ask for a change in opinion based off of before you came through the tour and then after. And typically we're seeing a lot of increases in people's trust in dairy farmers as not only a source of information, but also um, they trust dairy farmers more with how their food is produced. Um, so we found that 95% of our participants have increased or substantially increased their trust in dairy farmers, which is awesome. Uh, we've also done follow-up surveys. So the people who fill out our exit survey, if they're willing, they will leave their email address. And a few months after they visit the farm, we reach out to them again. So we've asked if they've changed their purchasing habits. And so this kind of goes to what Stacy was saying earlier. Um, we found that after attending a breakfast on the farm, the majority of our participants do increase the amount of dairy products that they purchase. So we ask about yogurt, milk, cheese. Most people have a newfound confidence in how safe dairy is and how it's just produced by happy cows on happy farms. Um, so we love to see that we're not only impacting people's perceptions, but also their purchasing habits. And we're seeing an economic impact from our program as well. 
And that makes happy farmers. <laughs> yep. Actually, if somebody is interested in hosting a breakfast in the farm, and it doesn't have to be dairy farmers, I understand. It can be any type of farm. How can they follow up on that interest and, and submit an application? So the easiest way to reach myself or my cohort, Mary Dunkel, would be to visit breakfastonthefarm.com. We have our website with all of our contact information listed there. Uh, we also have a fairly strong presence on Facebook. Uh, so you can just search Breakfast on the Farm and we should be one of the first ones that pops up. How can somebody who would love to go to a Breakfast on the Farm event find out when they're at, where they're at and when they're going to be? My suggestion to someone interested in attending a Breakfast on the Farm event would be to follow us on Facebook or visit our website. We typically announce our yearly events in the spring. Uh, so we'll have a list of dates and locations available usually around April or May. Stacy, what would you say to other farmers about being involved in dairy promotion? I would say, you know, we are responsible for doing our part, whether that's hosting a breakfast on the farm or volunteering for one or going in during March's reading months and reading a, a dairy-based story um, you know, to local school children, whatever that might be, or maybe simply even at the grocery store, uh, you see somebody kind of checking out milk, milk substitutes, spark up a conversation with them. Um, that can be a bit intimidating, but I can tell you I've had more than one conversation and they've gone so well. When you introduce yourself and, you know, present yourself in a nice manner, um, it, it's perceived really well. And you can do a little bit of education right then and there. So, it's up to us to share our story. It's up to us to um, teach consumers about modern day dairy production and agricultural in general. So I would just encourage everybody to do their part. Thank you, Stacy. And I'd be remiss if I didn't recognize the United Dairy Industry of Michigan, the uh, dairy promotion organization in the state that does a great job with promoting events and involving farmers in doing that as well too. So this is a partnership we're talking about, really a partnership of of, of MSO extension with, with farmers, with UDIM to, to reach consumers because every way we can take to, to reach consumers is important. Absolutely. UDIM has been phenomenal in our promotion and education efforts. We applied for a grant through UDIM and that's how we purchased cheese sticks and the Go-Gurts. So really there was very, very minimal cost on our end. That was through our dollars at UDIM. Also, we have attended uh, trainings they have hosted as far as promotion education events. We have also attended a farmer activist training. Um, and I know that you can team up with your, with your co-op as well. Both are great resources to have. Truly dairy promotion, whether or not it's breakfast on the farm or whether it is an activity in your community is a great opportunity to promote what you do why you do it, and how people can have a, a great feeling about it. Thanks so much, Stacy and Ashley, for being with us today. You know, it's, it's been a great conversation. I've learned a lot, and it's been, it's been fun to talk with you because dairy is a passion of all of ours. And so when we can share a passion and then share it with other people, that's cool beans. Thank you, Phil, Stacy, and Ashley for the great stories and the important information shared on today's episode. As they mentioned, we encourage farmers to get involved in promotion. 
As Ashley showed, we learned from breakfast on the farm survey data that it can really make a difference in our consumers. I would like to remind our listeners that Breakfast on the Farm Facebook page is active and you can find a lot of good information or postings for future events, so make sure you can like and follow that page on Facebook. Also, you can search for Breakfast on the Farm on your favorite browser and it should lead you straight to the website where additional information and event applications can be found. If you're interested in hosting an event in the future and you have more questions about it, you can reach Ashley at K-U-S-C-H-E-L-A at msu.edu or you can reach me at C-A-R-R-A-S-Q-1 at msu.edu. Join us next week as Dr. Bradford will share very exciting news out of Michigan State that I'm sure will be exciting for many, especially those listening in Michigan. Stay tuned for that episode next week and I hope you'll join us then.